Let's open our Bibles to the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 3. So that's in the Old Testament, right after Judges and before 1 Samuel. Ruth chapter 3. And we're going to read verse um, 4. Actually, let's read the whole beginning so we can understand what's going on, okay? So if you're familiar with the story, um, Ruth was a, a Gentile, a Moabite. She was not from the children of Israel. And then um, an Israelite lady by the name of Naomi, not you, another one, and she went to uh, Moab. She immigrated there, and she had two sons. She ended up losing everything in that foreign land, and now Naomi came back to um, Israel, but Ruth, one of her daughters-in-law, her husband, well, her husband, Naomi's son, died, and she decided that she's going to come back with Naomi to be among the people of God. So that is the story that we're reading about here. Um, Ruth wanted to get a job, so she went to the fields and was trying to pick up the, the wheat and the grain that is left um, after the harvesters, and she would just bring it home so they can like eat of that and stuff. And it just happened that um, the guy, the owner of the field that Ruth was picking up after the harvester, his name was Boaz, and he was relative of Naomi, a long-distance long relative or um, a far relative to Naomi. But when Naomi thought about that, she thought that Boaz can be a very good husband to Ruth because he's uh, their kingsman redeemer, he's related to them. And in the Jewish culture at that time, when the husband dies, then the next man, next available man in line um, should actually marry the, the widow and inherit as well um, the land and everything. So Naomi thought that Boaz might be a very good husband for um, Ruth. So here is her advice to her uh, about what should she do. So Boaz can be aware that, you know, uh, he's actually supposed to, in a way if he can, to marry Ruth and inherit as well. So uh, Ruth chapter 3 verse 1, then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek security for you that, uh, that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young woman you are with, that's the young woman who glean of the field, um, whom young woman you are with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is uh, winnowing. In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. And do not make yourself known to the man, Boaz, until he is uh, finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice his place where he lies. And you shall go in and cover his feet. Uncover his feet and lie down at his feet. And he will tell you what you should do. So you guys see what's going on. Uh, Naomi saying, go see where Boaz is laying down, uncover his feet, and lay down there at his feet. And the story goes, just to save us some time, is that Boaz that night noticed Ruth. 
And he's like, he already noticed her from before, uh, the background of the story, he knew who she is. And then when Ruth told him the story, when he, she was at his feet, he woke up, she's there, he's like, what is it, what can I do for you? He's like, you're my Kingsman redeemer, uh, it's your turn kind of like to marry me and you know, take care of us in a way. He's like, I'll take care of it. Long story short, they end up getting married and Boaz was the grandfather of King David. Okay, that's the one who became ruler over Israel after that. And in a way, this is a wonderful story, and that's a type, in a way, between Christ and the church. Boaz is resembling Christ, the Redeemer, and Ruth here resembles the redeemed, you and I, who have been redeemed because of our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the part that struck me here, and uh, the reason I'm sharing that again is the song that we played by mistake, but I believe it's the Holy Spirit, um, that she sat at his feet. And when she sat at his feet, things start happening for her. Amen? So what we're going to do today is we're just going to talk a little bit about the feet of Jesus, not the feet of Boaz, but the feet of Jesus, okay? And I'm going to share three stories. I love to preach three points, if you guys haven't realized. Uh, I'm going to share three stories from the New Testament about people who sat at Jesus' feet or went to Jesus' feet. And we're going to find out what is there at the feet of Jesus. Amen? There are many people in the Bible, like maybe five or six. Once again, I didn't prepare, so you're going to be patient with me today. But there's probably five people or so that uh, we read about in the Gospels that they sat at the feet of Jesus. But they highlight three things for the most part that we can find at the feet of Jesus, okay? The first thing is forgiveness of sin. First thing is forgiveness of sin, all right? Number two Miracles that only God can do. Supernatural, amazing miracles we can find at the feet of Jesus. And number three, communion and fellowship with him. Okay? Three things. All the people that sat at Jesus' feet, you can summarize what they find in these three points. And I'm going to use just one example of each. Okay? So what are the three things that we're going to find at the feet of Jesus? Number one is forgiveness of sin. Number two Miracles and amazing, supernatural, powerful miracles. And number three, communion and fellowship. Let's start number one, the forgiveness. Let's turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. These are all pretty much pretty famous stories, but we're just going to highlight them real quick. And we're going to read from verse 36. Luke 7, 36. Okay? Then one of the Pharisees, this is the story, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. That's Jesus. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, a well-known sinner in the city. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragment, fragment oil and she stood where? At his feet, behind him, weeping. And she began to wash it, to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her, the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. 
Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to him saying, this man, that's Jesus, this man, if he were a prophet, he would have known um, who and what manner of woman this is, who is touching him. She is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, teacher, what is it? I'm going to summarize that part. Jesus said, if someone has two people indebted to him, one is indebted with, let's say, $50, and the other one with $50,000, and he decided to forgive both of them, which one would be more grateful to the forgiving master he, he, whom, who owns the money? And the Simon said, the one who has been forgiving with a lot. And he, Jesus said, you're right, Simon, it is true. The one who has been forgiving a lot. Verse 40, 44, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you, your house, you give me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You give me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since I came uh, since the time I came in, you did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, though they are many, are forgiving, for she loved much. But to him whose little is forgiving, he the same loves little. And he said to her, your sins are what? Are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? But Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So what did this woman find at the feet of Jesus? Forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin. Now, there's... So many sinners, there's, she probably was a prostitute, but, and there was so many sinner, sinful women, there were many prostitutes at the time of Jesus, but she's the only one who found forgiveness. Why? Because deep down in her heart, she knew that she is a sinner, and she felt the guilt and the shame and the disgust of sin that she's doing, and she wanted to be washed clean. She just didn't know where or how. And then she heard about Jesus. She heard that he hang out with tax collectors and sinners. He is the man of God who's going about doing good, doing miracles. He is holy. In John chapter 6, or chapter, chapter 8, he said, Who among you can convict me of one sin? She knew that he is holy, but she knew that he accepts sinners. She probably heard about the paralytic who got dropped in front of Jesus at the busy home, and Jesus told him, your sins are forgiving you. She probably heard about that. And deep down in her heart, she knew that she cannot obtain forgiveness on her own. And that if she needed to be forgiving, there is one person who can do that for her. And his name is Jesus. And because she was broken, she went to him. She felt so unworthy that she went at his feet and she just wept because she was so saddened and broken because of her guilt and shame and sin. And she washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dried them with, wiped them with her hair. And because she showed Jesus that she's truly broken and that she's truly sorry. Because she has sinned against him and she is feeling filthy inside her. Jesus told, him, told her, it doesn't matter what you have done. Your sins are forgiven you. Amen? 
Your sins are forgiven you. Notice, two people in that story. Simon, who's a very decent guy, right? And the sinful woman who is just as wicked as they can get. Evil. So pure evil. Simon himself is like, if Jesus was a prophet, he would have known who is this woman, this nameless, sinful, disgusting woman. But Jesus didn't care about that. All what he cared about is her heart. Her heart was in the right place. And because she knew that she needed forgiveness, Jesus gave her forgiveness. I'm trying, since I started with you guys, to emphasize that point over and over and over and over again. Jesus answered desperate prayers. Right? He doesn't just answer regular prayers. He answers desperate prayers. When we truly need him. That's when he's going to come through. Remember last week, we were talking about blind party mouth, right? And we saw that, we, we talked about him, and we said that he saw his need. And because he knew that he needed his eyes to be open, that's why Jesus opened his eyes. Because he knew deep down in his heart, I have a need, and only Jesus can meet that need. Jesus came through for him. And I have to tell you, forgiveness of sin, salvation from the judgment of God, is so simple. We said that last week. It is so simple if you are very desperate. It's very simple if you are very desperate. Amen? It might seem unfair that a sinful woman like this, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what she did in the past, all her sins will be forgiven in one day, right? It, it is unfair. What, the, what is this? Somebody can live all what they want, and then once they feel regretting their sins, they go to Jesus and they're being forgiven. Where is the holiness of God? Where is the justice of God? How come God is not punishing her because she has broken her, his law? You know why? Because Jesus took her punishment upon himself. He forgave her on account of the blood that was going to shed maybe a year or two years down the road from that incident. He said, I am going to take your sins upon me. And all what I wanted is just that attitude to be willing to forsake your sins and start fresh with me. And you do show it with your tears. And because you brought that sorry feeling and that regret to my feet and begged me for forgiveness, guess what? Your sins, though many, though many, they are forgiving today. Amen? And I tell you, this is good news for every one of us. Amen? It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter how far you have gone from God. Today can be a day of salvation. That Jesus who forgave that sinful woman can forgive you today. And that sinful woman, all her sin were wiped away just like that when she came at the feet of Jesus. Today you can have the exact same forgiveness. And the guilt and the shame and the bondage of sin can be broken. And you leave that building a brand new person. Because the Bible says, if anyone in Christ Jesus, he is a what? A new creation. Amen? What do we find at the feet of Jesus? Forgiveness of sin. Amen? Number two we find at the feet of Jesus is miracles and healings and signs and wonders. All sorts of supernatural stuff. Let's flip a couple of pages still in the book of Luke. We're going to read from chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 verse 40. Luke 8 40. All right, Luke 8, 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him. So they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. 
He was a ruler of the synagogue. And what did he do? Look at this. He fell down. He fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. Why? For he, for he has an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitude, now as Jesus went, so Jairus came, sat at Jesus' feet, begged him, come, heal my daughter, because she's my only daughter and she's about to die. But where did Jairus go? He went to Jesus' feet. Now, the Bible says that he was a ruler among the Jews, correct? This is a very well-respected man. It's kind of like, um, how can I say, like a mayor of D.C. or somebody like very, very high and very well-respected in society. And for him to come in front of the whole multitude and go to the feet of Jesus and beg like a beggar, asking Jesus that he can come and heal his one and only daughter, that was a big thing for him to do. But you know why he did it? Because he desperately needed Jesus to come and heal his heart. He's like, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care about my prestige. All what I care about is one thing. My daughter, my one and only daughter that I so dearly love is about to die. And there's only one who can heal her. His name is Jesus. He knew where to go when he needed a miracle. Where did he go? At the feet of the master. At the feet of Jesus. He sat there. He's like, I am begging you. Come and have mercy on my daughter and heal her. I'm going to summarize the story to save some time. Jesus said, great, let's go. So Jesus is going. Jairus is following. The multitude is like just surrounding Jesus. Now, I want you to think about that story from Jairus' perspective. Okay, don't think about it from just the disciples' perspective, from Jairus' perspective. This is a very time-sensitive issue, isn't it? Right? He said, my daughter is about to die. Every single second count. Right? The sooner Jesus get there, Jairus, if he could, he could have fly Jesus to his home, he would have done it. Because he needs Jesus immediately to be in front of his daughter so she can be healed, right? Because she can die at any second. And then everybody's crowding Jesus. Jesus is moving too slow because of the crowds. He can't go as fast to Jairus' house. And from Jairus' perspective, he's probably, I'm thinking, walking in front of Jesus, trying to push people away so he just can make everybody move a little bit faster so they can get to the daughter as soon as possibly can so she can be healed. And then all of a sudden, Jesus stops. And Jairus looks back and is like, what happened? Let's go. And Jesus is like, who touched me? And Jairus will be like, are you kidding me? What do you mean, who touched you? Don't you see all these people? Don't you know my daughter is about to die? What are you waiting for? Who touched me? And the Bible tells us that there was an old, like a lady who had an issue of blood and she had faith. She touched Jesus and because of her faith, her issue was done. And Jesus wanted people to know that God still doing these kind of miracles. And Jairus, just think about Jairus in this time sensitive issue that cannot wait. And then Jesus saying, no, somebody touched me. And she was like, who cares? Let's go. And she was like, no, there's power came out of me. I'm not sure who it was. Now we don't know how old this lady is and how long, you know, how fast does she walk. But anyways, Jesus comes. Uh, I mean, Jesus waits. The lady comes and she starts telling her story. And she's like, 18 years ago. And Jairus was like, oh boy, 18. She's going to tell me the story of 18 years of her life. Who cares? I want Jesus to come and heal my daughter. She might die at any second. And the lady goes on and on. I went to Dr. Smith. 
and I went to Dr. Bruce, Dr. Bruce, and I went to Dr. So-and-so, and I spent $5 here and $20 there, and I could not get any better, but I thought that if I just touch the hem of Jesus, I'll be healed, and this is what happened. I'm just imagining Jairus listening to that story. He's like, this is not real. This just cannot be happening. Is Jesus even aware of what is going on and that my daughter is the last breath? And to make the story even harder for him, guess what happened? Somebody comes to him and say, oh, don't worry about it. She's dead. Right? And I would just imagine like, Jesus, I was at your feet and I was crying to you. How come you didn't come through? But what Jairus didn't know is that this, he was expecting Jesus to heal his daughter, but Jesus wanted to show him that he's the one who can just not heal the sick, but also raise the dead. Amen? He's like, you're thinking I just can heal her. I want to show you that I can raise her away, raise her up from among the dead. And Jesus did that for him. Amen? And this is our Jesus, friends. Every single second you spend at his feet is not a wasted time. It might seem like it's a wasted time. It might seem like it's not happening. It might seem like the harder you pray, nothing is happening. But if you persist, if you stand at the feet of Jesus like, I'm not going to let go of you till you come through for me. Guess what? That very Jesus who showed up for Jairus and raised his daughter from the dead can show up for you and me even today. And he can do supernatural signs and miracles that nobody else can do. Amen? If we're asking as a congregation for a move of God among us, Do you know where we need to be for that to happen? It's at his feet. When we cry out to him that he will just have mercy on us and have mercy on the people outside, that's the one thing that's going to make a difference. And even though we cry and it seems like he's not answering, guess what? We need to keep pushing through. We need to be persistent and we need to keep crying at his feet because our master is merciful and gracious and good. And though he's staring, he's going to come through for us and he's going to surprise us. The good news is it takes Jesus one second. He just needs to show up once and set everything straight and that's it. Amen? He's so powerful if we just seek him hard enough. Amen? So what do we find at the feet of Jesus? We find forgiveness of sin. We find what? Healings and miracles and supernatural things. Whatever what you need today, just run to the feet of Jesus. Finally, we find at the feet of Jesus um, communion and fellowship with him. Turn with me to Luke, just a couple of chapters verse, verse further. Luke 10, 38. Luke 10, 38. All right. Now it happened. So Jesus now is visiting a lady called Martha, her sister Mary, and their brother um, Lazarus. So now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Just notice, this is Martha's house. This is not a joint home that, the, that Lazarus and, her, and his sisters bought. This is, belongs to Martha. She, she's either the older, or she bought it, the house flat out and just letting Mary and Lazarus live with her. So 10, Luke 10, 38. Now we're going to go to verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat, where? At Jesus' feet and what? Heard his word. She sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. 
but Martha was distracted with much serving. Mary at Jesus' feet, and where is Martha? She's in the kitchen. Don't take me wrong. She's doing a good job, but let's read the story. And she approached him and said she's getting upset because Mary is just at Jesus' feet, and she's doing all the work. Lord, do you not even care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I mean, Jesus probably, we know he has his disciples and maybe a few more. So that's a big crowd at the house. And Martha is just doing all the work to feed them. But look at Jesus, what he said. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part. What is that good part? To be at Jesus' feet which will not be taken away from her. This is what we find at Jesus' feet. Communion and fellowship with him. Communion and fellowship with him. The guy who led me to the Lord, he was just um, sharing with me one time, not with me, but with a group. And he was talking about hearing the voice of God. And this is a struggle that we pretty much all of us have. How can I hear God? I don't know how to hear God. What does he want me to do? Wisdom, you know, how can I hear God? And he used this analogy. And he's like, if you've never met a person ever before, and this person called you up on the phone, you're not expecting the call. And this person called you up. What, what is the first thing you say? Who's this? Why? Because you cannot recognize the voice of that person, right? But... If you start investing in knowing that person, if you start talking with that person more often and often and often, let's say that person called you from a different line. Guess what? Once you pick up, hey, hey, how are you? Where, why are you calling from? Why is that number strange? See, you're not struggling now to, to recognize the voice of that person, even though he might be calling you from a different number. Why? Because you're investing time in getting to know that person. Correct? Now, In our 21st century American Christianity, we don't want to spend the time with Jesus. We don't have time for him. We have time for uh, 19 kids and counting, whatever that show is, everywhere. Yes, let's watch that. Let's spend 45 minutes watching that show every week. No problem. Let's, um, whatever, watch Netflix, watch TV. Let's um, do Facebook 45 minutes an hour every day, here and then, few minutes here and then, Twitter, whatever the case is. We have time to every possible thing in the world. But when it comes time to sitting down at the master's feet and communicating with him, man, it's just too busy. Life is hectic. Really, life is hectic. Life is not hectic. We just, our priorities are wrong. That's why we don't spend time with Jesus. Brother Wynn was just showing about that website um, that you can tell you how long does it take you to read the Bible in a day, in a year. It's about 20 minutes if you're just an average reader. Granted, this is not a study, but 20 minutes a day, you can read the Bible in a year. Now, I highly doubt that, including myself, I I do study, but I don't read. But we don't spend, for the average part, average Christian, we don't spend 20 minutes reading the Bible every day. It blows my mind away. I don't like reading. It's not my thing. I'm more like I like to study, but I don't like to sit down and read. Um, It blows my mind away whenever I'm in New York or here in the subway, and I see how, like, Americans in general have that novel that is that thick, like, my gosh, three-inch thick book, and they just hammer it, man, in the subway, everywhere they go, they just sit down and keep reading, they just love reading, and yet these people, if they're Christians and they ask them to quote the Bible, well, I don't know this verse where it's at, I'm not sure what this verse says, I can paraphrase it, but I can't quote it, they have no problem spending time reading pointless 
novels that will get you nowhere, but when it comes to the word of God, oh man, I'm busy. I'm just trying to read half a chapter or five verses every day. That's all what I need. I know I'm going to finish the Bible in like 25 years this way, but you know, I'm just too busy. You're not too busy reading novels in the subway, but you're too busy spending time at the master's feet. But guess what? If you want to commute with Jesus, if you want to get to know him, you have to spend time with him every day. There is no other way around it. And over and over, I keep telling you guys, Jesus show up for desperate people. He forgave the sinful woman regardless of all her sins because she, she wanted to spend time at his feet. He did miracles for Jairus because he spent the time at his feet. And for the American church, God is saying, hey, I want to pour out my spirit. He said in the book of Jewel, I will pour out my spirit on, on who? All what? Flesh. That's why he said in Jewel. Anybody here has flesh? Well, if you have flesh, then you're a candidate for the spirit of God. But guess what? Why, why we have the flesh, but we don't have the spirit? Because... We're not desperate. We're not asking. We're not seeking. And because we're not desperate, guess what? His principle is not going to change. He's not going to change his principles for you and me. We need to change our lives to match his principles. Amen? Amen. What do we find at the master's feet? Three things. Forgiveness of sin. Miracles. And communion. I know that, I know that each one of us wants something, at least one of these three, if not all of them. Okay? Do you wanna do you wanna find your miracles today? You feel like it has been hard and you don't know where to turn and all the doors seem to be closed. Guess what? Go to your master's feet. Cry out to him. He he can raise the dead if he needed to. Just be at his feet and cry out to him. Amen? You wanna hear the voice of God? You wanna know what he wants? You know you know where you need to turn to? His feet. Cry out to him. Say, I need to know you. I need to find you. I wanna be found by you. Number three, sure enough, if you're here today and you know that your guilt and the shame of sin, once again, salvation is for not for everybody. It's not. I, I, I hate to admit it, but it's not. If you don't feel the guilt and the shame of sin, if you don't feel like I broke the law of God and there is no way out for me, salvation will pass you by. But if you're here today and you feel like, my gosh, I am burdened with guilt and shame, where should, where should I go? There is one place that you can run to. It's the master's feet. If you cry out to him, if you cry out to him, he's so eager to answer. He's so eager to deliver. He's so eager to heal. All what he wants is just you ask. Amen? I, I, I mean, I'm not a perfect dad, but if my son, Micah, or my daughter, Kazia, just, I, they're in a different room and they cry because something happened to them. I am there in a second because I love them. And I'm not a perfect dad. I'm not a great dad. But how much more the father's heart when we cry out to him? Amen? So let's all close our eyes. Brother Mark, you can play that song and let's all pray. Yes, Lord.